in the heart of a champion there is a fire and the flames are controlled by burning desire to be the best you can Life, you'll notice, is a story. Life doesn't come to us like a math problem. It comes to us the way that a story does, scene by scene. You wake up. What will happen next? Life unfolds like a drama. In the heart of a champion. There's more to that reading there. A book that I recommended in our last series on spiritual warfare, and it's coming back for today, and it is Epic by John Eldridge. Epic, the story God is telling. So today we're going to be talking about... The movies that made us. The movies we love and why we love love them. them. (laughs) We've talked about doing something like this for a long Mm -hmm. time. Well, this might be the, the closest thing some of our listeners who've never been to our undisclosed location and don't know what it's like being at a code brew or on a code trip, this may be one of the closest things they get because nine times out of ten, when you get around a code fire and the three of us are around there, we're we're talking about movies. We're either really serious or we're really letting our hair down, such as it is. So today we're going to let our hair down a little bit, but we hope to couch it in a little bit of seriousness because the movie industry is a part of our lives that is here to stay. But we could go back into our parents' grandparents' days and the idea of movie watching, well, that was a treat. And boy, have have the times changed to where movie watching has become such a consumption, such a product that we use on a regular basis. I mean, it used to be we might would ask the question, how many movies did you see this year? Now you might ask the question, how many movies have you watched this week? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a whole dynamic of the movie industry that impacts our lives in so many ways. I, I, you know, your, your parents grew up hearing from their parents and their pastors and their church, stay away from the movies, don't go to the movies. I think we've pretty much universally got to the point now where that's no longer a thing because we've come to accept that this is a part of life now. And is that okay? I think so. I mean, because for, you know, for a lot of that, a lot of the times, at least in the last 10 to 20 years, when some of that preaching or that teaching on, you know, you shouldn't go to the movie house and all that kind of stuff, it was, it was almost, I mean, I guess there's no other way to say it, it was, it was hypocritical because you wouldn't go to the movie house to watch stuff, but, you know, you would go to Blockbuster or you'd watch it on TBS in your living room or, you know, you do it here, there and yonder, and now you can stream it straight into your house. And so... I think that the the main teaching that now has to be is is what has really ultimately been universally taught all along or should have been taught is whatever you consume, you need to filter it through the lenses of, am I able to honor God in what I'm about to do right now? Don't know the, the year or how old I was, but I remember going to the Curtis Mathis store and my parents buying a VCR for the first time. And then all of a sudden... 
wow, we can go get movies and bring them home and watch them. This is the coolest thing ever. And it was super expensive back then. I don't you know, remember what it would have been. Yeah. But prior to that, there wasn't the doing it at home either. There was legitimately at one point this this warning that you don't go to those places and you don't do that because there was an association there with darkness. There was an association with the decadence of the of the industry and the community of people that were putting out that product. And I think there was this it came from a genuine place of wanting to protect the hearts of of the Christian. And that is the point you're still making yeah. now. That we should not lose, but we all have to understand that in twenty twenty one this has become a part of life. Now, what 20 years ago you had to drive down the road and get or either go to the the, the movie house, as we're calling it, or go to Blockbuster Video, Hollywood Video, whatever it was, now you just you just watch it right there in your living room. And I, I remember when I was a kid, a movie would come on TV, and that was the time to watch it. I know the, the ratings have changed a little bit. Nowadays, PG movies are much better to watch when they were when I was a kid because I remember they would keep stuff in there. I just remember being a kid and, and knowing that, okay, it's on TV, we can watch it because the what the network would edit stuff out. Now, it's it, you can stream it, but nothing's edited, just like you're watching it at the movie theater. I think one, one value that I'm hearing already in this discussion is for the listener, they're going to connect with these same struggles and decision-making process that goes into this now thinking about the amount of movies being made because in my mind I thought wow they're just pumping out five new movies a week it seems like now and I thought that you know back when as you your time frame referenced 20 years ago you know you 30 years like let me go back 30 years ago there might have been a new movie a month that that's my thinking I'm thinking you know so you know, back then you might have got 12 to 20 movies a year. And today it's like you get 20 a month. Actually, according to the chart that I found on thenumbers.com. So total numbers of movies put out in 2019. Just take a stab at it. We're talking about the top six movie companies. Warner, Walt Disney, 20th Century Fox, Paramount, Sony, and Universal. I'm going to say 132. Oh, that's about what I was going to guess, 120. Hmm. Great minds think alike, old chap with the, those major six studios, there were 87 movies put out in 2019. Now, let me take you back to 1996. 120 movies put out by those six studios. The first thing that comes to my mind is just how the time that we're living in. Back then, when a movie, way back in 1996, when a movie came out, it went to theaters, depending on how popular it was, how much... And then it went straight to VHS. And that, I mean, that was pretty much it. And it took maybe eight months to get to VHS yeah. after it finished. Yeah, showing. so that's, that's another part of this conversation is how long does it take a movie to, to, to go to a streaming service? How long does the movie stay in theaters? Because now we have so much easier access to movies and they're everywhere. I mean, it, it, and they accumulate. You to know. quote one of my favorite movies that I'll present today... And the villain of that movie, Doc Ock, hint, oh. hint, spoiler alert, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. <laughs> huh. I remember when I was in my early teenage years, we didn't go to the movie theater. You know, we still were in a little bit of that background. And so... <laughs> 
<laughs> we're in that stage of our we lives. were we were <laughs> and uh but I I remember when the very first Spider-Man movie came out and it went to the theaters and like all my buddies at school were like, oh man, this was awesome, this was awesome. And I felt like I literally waited a year for that thing to come out on VHS and I finally remember when it came out. And now, you know, it's like you see trailers for it in the theater three weeks later, available on DVD and Blu-ray at a store near you. And it's like, what on yeah, earth happened? That was pretty, so we, we were in that stage as well growing up, <laughs> the, the not going to movies. I remember how... It, it would feel like a movie was coming out in theaters when it released in at the video store. Yeah. Because we would go to Hollywood Video, and me and my sister, I mean, it was like we were at the movie premiere of this thing. Everybody and else we, in the store is like, oh, you're just now seeing that? Yeah, and they would have like <laughs> You're going to love it when... Yes. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I had friends that did that. and I, Two people could have fit on the door. Yeah. <laughs> Jack didn't have to die. <laughs> <laughs> but you would walk in the video store, and there'd be like a whole wall, you know, of the VHS that you wanted to watch. I remember, like, you know, darting over there as fast as we could. But before they sell out, Mom, we got to yeah, get there we, quick. We got to get there quick. Yeah. I think that it is important for us to say because we may have some uh, Gen X listeners of my generation. We might even have some uh, baby boomers listening who still hold to a lot of the, hey, you know, guys, you got to be careful about the movies and stuff. Well, we agree with that. Yeah, You know, guys, don't get too comfortable talking about the movie stuff because people can get in a lot of trouble. Yes, they can. And that's why we need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. A lot of the reasons that people have gotten into trouble with stuff is because we pushed it all off in a corner and said, bad, bad, no, no, no. But they're naturally drawn to that stuff. And as I opened the podcast with that, text from epic we're connected to the story because life is a story yeah i think we need to have some guidance on how we go about consuming any media as we've talked about when you think about the word media it is has the same root as the word medium and media is a medium by technical definition a medium is an intervening substance through which a force is conveyed all right so what we watch what we listen to what we read all of that is a medium in which something is being deposited into our heart and into our soul it can be a good or a bad thing proverbs 4:23 keep thy heart with all diligence so i think having some scriptural principles to guide our viewing is very helpful i i jotted down just a couple of passages and i want to read those Maybe put a word to it, perhaps. But Psalm 26, verses 3 and 5, I think, are a good guide. For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. I will not set with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not set with the wicked. I think David gives us there a principle of there's a way in which we approach anything that we're about to consume, whether it's uh, physically or mentally, We start out with, thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. And when I have established that as my direction and my my lens through which I'm going to view and receive, then I can make good decisions on, is this appropriate for me to watch? Is this going to help me in my walk with God? And to that point, I want to go to a, a principle that we find in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Paul says here, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. You know, we have to be careful about judging. Now, there are some things I think we all all agree. They're universally, hey, 
that's not appropriate. Right. We shouldn't be consuming that, in, and it's going to affect our heart in a wrong way. But the principle that Paul gives here is, but is it expedient for your heart? Right. Is it expedient for your soul, for your walk with God? Because not everything that you may consume is going to edify you. And I think what God wants us to see is that in whatever we're consuming in life, we are benefiting from it and not being detracted by it. Yeah, and I think one of the things that has that has helped me is coming to a, a better understanding that when we use what God has created in the way in which he created it, we're bringing glory to him. And by that I mean, you know, God created laughter. He put that within us to laugh and to, to have enjoyment. That doesn't mean that I have to, you know, the only way for me to use that the right way is to laugh at something funny that, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not waiting till I get to heaven for it Jesus. It doesn't have to just be the Christian comedian. Exactly. You know? But it's also wrong for me to use what God has created in a way that would not please him. So for me to be laughing at vulgar things or immoral things, that's obviously wrong. You're trying to say a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Absolutely. But there's a way in which we undermine and can betray yes. our heart by choosing the wrong sources to draw that merriment from. Correct. So filters, moderation, because even some things that we will observe or consume, they tell part of the story, right? We, we all talk about Gladiator or Rocky, these types of movies that where, where violence is happening, people are getting hurt, people may be dying. There has to be some moderation in that. And I've noticed that in recent years, in the last... 15 years or so, the movie violence has gotten, it is extremely graphic. And that really turned me off because I can't be moderate and watch that. There is right. no moderation in it. And then just one more verse, Philippians 4, 8. Most people know this verse. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and that's a key one, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, the reason I bring that verse out is not to say that you should only watch movies that are honest, pure, lovely, and of good report. But on the other side of that coin, we should not be consuming stuff that will steal our heart from being able to stand in true, honest, just, pure loveliness. Right. So if there be any virtue is a good guiding principle. If I see a quarter on the floor, I might pick it up, but I'm not going to reach into a spittoon to get it, something like that. There might be some virtue to be found in that sexually explicit, uber-violent movie full of vulgarity. There might be a virtue to find in that, but it ain't worth going there to get it because you can find that virtue in so many other places where you don't have to expose your soul to that, which is only increasing your lust and your appetite for the things that are wrong. So why do we love the movies? And we'll start right there. Movies tell a story. Tell us, what. how do you connect with movies, and why are they a big part of your life? I mean, I think it's because a lot of times we sort of are able to live vicariously through some of those characters. Like, like the character on the screen is doing something that we're like, oh, man, yeah, that would be awesome. I would love to be able to do that. You know, I'd love to be the guy that kicks in the door and saves the girl and rides off into the sunset. I'd love to be the guy that he's, like, leaving it all on the field, stretching out, getting the game-winning touchdown. He's the Rudy. hero. Yeah. You know, so, in, so, so those those type things, you know, and so we're sitting there watching that, and we're, like, feeling connected with this guy. And, or, and then sometimes you see the struggles that the guy on the screen is going through, and you're like, 
yes, I feel like that all the time. Of course, it's exaggerated on film and, you know, and then sometimes it's like, man, that's literally where I'm walking yeah. right now. And I think that's one of the uh, the the good things about modern movie making. Not all of it, obviously. We're, there are the Marvel superhero movies that have the exaggerated stories. But even in them, one thing that I've noticed is that stories are becoming more relatable now. Like the, the character, what they're experiencing mm-hmm. is being portrayed in a much more realistic way in the what we would say the inner man. Yeah. And that's why many times watching these movies, as you're saying, we make that connection. I wrote down the word enrichment. Movies enrich our lives. And here's why. Because we can enter into the experience of the story when it connects with our soul. And it can help us unravel the mysteries of our own life. It can help us discover pathways in our own journey. And it can even help us find healing for our own wounds that we've experienced. And that's a real benefit of this medium of movie. And I'll give you an example. The movie Antoine Fisher was a movie about a naval uh, psychologist, played by Denzel Washington, who worked with this young sailor who was having a whole lot of behavioral problems. I was at that time chaplain, um, a prison chaplain with Rock of Ages Prison Ministry. And I found in that movie a renewed passion for caring for the individual soul because I was able to see the backstory to why some people act the way they act, and I could also see how I had a role to play in that. Now, I was still young at the time. I was in my late 20s, so you know I feel much more capable now than I did then, but that movie had such an impact on me, I still carry those lessons So, a- as an example. Yeah. Movies definitely inspire us. I-, I remember being a kid and watching Rocky for the first time, um, even thinking of Star Wars and just just the feeling you got when you when you first watched that, and it's almost it's almost a letdown when you watch other movies if you think mm-hmm. about it. Because you know when I was a kid, being exposed to the original Star Wars, and then you know the the prequels came out, and how much of a letdown that was, you know, for me then. Not saying the prequels were bad, but just saying how when when you watch something as good as Rocky as as, as good, I just remember being feeling so inspired as a kid and and it's almost like you're there in your living room and you're watching them it's almost like you know them you know they were there you were a part of the story in a way kind of going back to what you said easy target it's like you know i've been on this journey with this guy you know i knew rocky when he was a nobody you know and now look at him he's in the ring with apollo Mm -hmm. so uh, definitely inspiring looking back on your lives can you think of particular movies from your childhood that impacted you? I mean, that just come to mind right now? One was always Remember the Titans. Yeah. I remember that one as, as a child. and Because that one, there was, a, there was a good sports moral, you know, in my, my middle school, high school years, you know, I was playing ball. So this good sports moral of dedicate yourself, you know, train hard, work hard to be the best that you can. But at that point in time in my life, too, it also opened up the reality of the racial divide. Yeah. Maybe maybe in a more genuine way because I wasn't in that environment. And so then to watch it on film, like, man, that is foolish that this was an issue like it was over, you know, I mean, like, Gary Bertier's mom is wigging out because he's going to go down to, you know, 
that area and play ball with those boys it's like man this this doesn't make any sense at all and so i remember i remember that you know weighing pretty heavy and then how that how all that came together i just remember being at the age looking at movies like walk the line remember the titans and tombstone that i love so much growing up as as an early teen and things like that and then finding out they were not historically accurate that kind of had a blow on me, too, because I remember feeling so inspired by those movies and almost educated because I had learned something about it. You know, I had got a sneak peek into what really happened in these individuals' lives, and I learned only to find out it was just dramatized for, for a movie. Karate Kid and Karate Kid 2. Oh, yeah. And especially Karate Kid 2, there was, there was a, a real connection for me as a young teenager seeing how Daniel was not accepted and felt very insecure and didn't have what it took, but with the right mentorship, you know, he was able to grow and develop. And ultimately from Karate Kid 1, where he's in the, you know, this competition in a very, put him in a body bag. (laughs) I mean, a very dramatized karate championship tournament. Oh man. But then in Karate Kid 2, you're over in Okinawa and you got to fight for your life. There's a story development, there's a character development in Daniel, and then that classic Mr. Miyagi role, the sage, that everybody has to have in their life. And Daniel didn't have if Mr. Miyagi hadn't stepped in that role, which I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm now thinking about that and how that connects with the Antoine Fisher story too, that place of stepping into someone's life. So as a young man, I, can, I could connect with Daniel. And I still can in a way, like I watch the movie now, but now I'm at a place in my life where I feel like I can start connecting with the, the older role, the mentor role. So there's, there's enrichment into our lives. Mm-hmm. There is escapism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, Healthy and, escapism. Yeah, because there's, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. And I think one of the principles that we will lift out again and have already maybe touched on a little bit is that one of the problems with the movie industry is that it can become something that we give too much time to yeah and we turn to it too quickly or too easily as a means of escaping the stressors of life yeah because sometimes you need to be able to be pulled out of the whatever the crisis is in your own life if anything just to kind of refresh and and recharge because you know all right i'm going to have to get back into this and so it's it's good to kind of have that that pause and that that relief outlet to just enjoy life for a little bit because then whenever you re-engage with whatever the crisis is, you maybe have a little bit better outlook, maybe a little bit more optimism that, okay, we can work through this, we can make through it instead of just remaining in the dark cloud. So escapism can be a good thing. And then just the basic entertainment. I mean, we like to be entertained. We like to entertain one another, and movies are a way to entertain, and movies are a way to be entertained together. Mm-hmm. I would say the vast, vast, overwhelming majority of movie watching that I do, I'm doing it with my family. You know, yeah. We're going to make this a family event, and we laugh together, and sometimes we cry together, and sometimes some laugh at us while we're crying. But the entertainment leads us into the next phase of our discussion, which is the movies that have shaped your life. What, what are the movies right now that are really impacting your life? I mean, don't hold anything back. 
that I that I've. All right. I feel like this is a trap. We're about to get very carnal here. We are. You and I are about to get very carnal, and then he's going to come back. It. I like the Kirk Cameron fireproof. I just know you've got to leave it, and so I'm. All right. So I'll I'll kick it (laughs) off, and if it's a trap, I'll go into it. It's a trap. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Admiral Uh, Ackbar. What was the other one? Um, Can I go first? Yes, please. Okay, spiritual. Let, let me get let me give a category here. Okay. You know, so we got to help people listening figure out what are the good movies out there. What are the movies that are impacting the men of the code? All okay, right. go ahead. Let's start with animated features. All right, life altering, life impacting animated features. Rango. I thought I was going first. Well, you just got me excited when you said animated movies. <laughs> okay, well, let's let's... where are you from, stranger? <laughs> me. I'm from the West, the far West. So, yeah, Rango. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, the thing about Rango, this movie has a really good story to it. There's a great... You're you know, right. I mean, I'd seen it a time or two, but now it's like uh, it's like breath. It's like oxygen. Yeah. You got to get a little bit of it now and then. Yeah, great, great underdog story. You sure you killed all them Jenkins? <laughs> <laughs> yep, don't get no debtor. <laughs> exactly. How'd you do that, Mr. Rango? <laughs> My favorite, favorite moment or the moment that I first remembered from that movie was the little girl walking up behind him and the Mr. Boy. Rango, a little boy, boy, I always say He wants girl. his autograph. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will blow your, that ugly right off your face. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's, he's, he's pointing a gun at him. He's like, oh, you want the old John Hancock. <laughs> so he grabs the gun. There's a bullet in there. <laughs> Oh, mercy. Oh, boy. Well, I was going to go with Lego Batman. Oh, yeah. Oh. The kids were just watching that. I mean, it's right there with Rango. Yeah. Storyline, everything. But you can't beat the opening of Lego Batman. I, yeah. Black. <laughs> All great movies <laughs> start in black. <laughs> I have four points. I want to hear all those points. <laughs> no one's ever had any good ideas except me. What is it? He says, I've I got nine abs. That's, That's right. right. I've got an extra ab. It takes a village. Uh-huh, I'm listening. And no Batman. Waiter, give me that. Look, look. Coburn uh, was trying to reenact that afterwards. Uh, and he, he's... Literally drinking his drink and spitting it out. Like, son, you, gotta, you can't do that. You know, we could have fun and we could laugh, but we can't reenact it like that. And on our vacation most recently, the, uh, the, the line that Benjamin and I used the most was, That's what I said! Yeah, that's what I said! <laughs> we were sitting in, in the camp one, one night and somebody asked me something, what we were going to do the next day. Are we, are we going to do this? I said, That's what I said! That's what you I know? said! And from yeah. that point on, it became the running line. Yeah. So uh, what what about you there, Mister? Oh, man, I, I got a toss up between two because recently our family just watched the first Lego movie hmm. for the very first time, and we have and there's a song stuck inside your head. Oh my, oh, goodness. my goodness! We'll be walking through the house, and either me or Chloe or Hunter one will just start randomly singing "Everything Is Awesome," and you see my wife's eyes roll to the back of her head. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness! But why is it that that our wives don't appreciate the same movies we do? I, I don't know. I'm about to turn this conversation too serious again. Yeah. But that is a point that you will notice. Yes, yeah. because movies that I love, I'll watch with charity, and she's like, 
okay, yeah, it was good. And then the movies that she's just like crazy about, I'm like, that was the biggest waste of an hour and a half to two hours of my life that I'm never getting back. So if you take it out of the realm of animated and just go strictly to comedy, the first movie we think of that fits that bill is your namesake. Napoleon Dynamite. Yes. Now, my wife actually likes Napoleon Dynamite. Huh, And that really? is one movie that she really got into. But most of the time, it's me laughing and her just sitting there yes. and watching it. And what my wife would tell you is that she enjoys watching me watch it, <laughs> which is what she says about the Andy Griffith show. Yeah. You know, that she gets the most out of just watching me uh, watch it and, and laughing. And, I mean, sometimes... I know that's a television show, but sometimes I get to tears. Laughing like, so hard? Yes, laughing so hard. Yeah. Which is impressive, being as how you've seen that show like five times through, Five at least. times. I am 44, almost 45 years old. Oh, yeah. I have seen every episode of that show no less than, but we're talking up in the 30s. Wow. Or more. I mean, there is no comparison. It is first, and there's absolutely no second place in the amount that I have seen then that That's is a, then that is really impressive that you still get moved to tears and laughter and for something that I can relate to that because being around the code fire and watching you quote different things is very entertaining. Oh, there's there's definitely some stuff that you have recommended that is far funnier oh, watching man. you reenact it than when we actually watch the, the girl, girl. Don't worry about the girl. You mean you can't handle a woman? <laughs> <laughs> There's a big fat hairy monkey hanging from the Empire State Building. Our Empire State Building. <laughs> in New York, New York. are actually completely lost right now on uh, everything we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was an old Ernest skit, and then when I watched it, uh, Private Ryan found it on YouTube. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. But watching all over Trek try to quote it around the council fire was the funniest thing in the world, so I can relate. So here's a question for you. Who's your favorite movie hero of all time? Favorite movie hero of all time? Ooh, you go first. I would say, uh, I mean, if you got to put it down to one, Batman. Okay. Look, in the Dark Knight trilogy, not in Batman and Robin, because if, if George Clooney popped in your head, then I'm sorry, but not, yeah. not that Batman. I didn't, no, no actor popped in my head, just Dark Batman Knight trilogy Batman. He doesn't talk like that. I'm Batman. That's how he talks. That's very that, that's very close. I don't even know what that was. I'm gonna have nightmares about that. What about you? Mine. I don't know. I guess oh, I would man, still have to time. go. I still had to go back to to Skywalker now because Star you're, Wars was very really formative in my character. Huh? You're really big on this Skywalker. Character. Uh, well, I just Star Wars. I I loved those movies growing up, yeah. and and I liked how he came from you know moisture farmer in the backside of nowhere to you know he was he was the one that the whole galaxy was depending on mm-hmm. you know so you of, like the underdog story yeah he likes the reclusive billionaire turned wait a minute <laughs> well, i'm just trying to clarify think about it think about it i would say here you got a guy who can live in luxury but he chooses to save the world self-sacrificing yeah superman has to save the world hmm Mm-hmm. But this guy chooses to. That reminds me of one of my favorite movie quotes I wanted to give you. You guys got some favorite movie quotes? Because I got one right here. All right, go ahead. This is from Spider-Man 2, which I think you and I would agree, greatest superhero movie of all time. Not better than The Dark Knight. Okay, but we would agree best Spider-Man movie superhero yes. of all time. It's up there with mm-hmm. one. One is really good also. And here's why Spider-Man 2 is the best. Because of the storyline. 
what you just said, the choice, the moral choice, do I serve myself or do I use what I've been given to serve others? And great line from the movie, this is Aunt May. We need a hero. (laughs) (laughs) Peter. Okay, here we go. What does she shout at the Green Goblin when he comes in? He like blows up Deliver us from (laughs) evil. (laughs) I like this line, okay? We need a hero. Courageous, sacrificing people, setting the examples for all of us. Everybody loves a hero. People line up for them, cheer for them, scream their names, and years later tell how they stood in the rain for hours just to get a glimpse of the one who told them to hold on a second longer. I believe there's a hero in all of us that keeps us honest, gives us strength, makes us noble, and finally lets us die with pride. Even though sometimes we have to be steady and give up the thing we want most, even our dreams. That is the summary of Spider-Man 2. And Batman. Yes. Really? Well, I don't have any Alfred quotes, but I will tell you that Michael Caine... I failed you, Master Wade. <laughs> Michael Caine was my favorite Alfred, because I felt that he really he, he really had a, a moral lessons for, for Master Bruce the entire time. Like, it, was, it wasn't just like a prop. You know, some Batman movies, you put an old guy in a tuxedo and give him a tray, and there's Alfred. But I feel like... Michael Caine really contributed to the movie and kind of in the dark night where he, you know, he's wondering why is the Joker doing the things he's doing and he tells him that story and he relates it. And so, yeah, I, he's kind of the, the, the Aunt May of the dark night, if you will. Alfred played a vital role, just like Aunt May did. Yeah. When Batman says, I don't talk about feelings, Alfred. I don't have any. I've never seen one. I'm a night-stalking, crime-fighting vigilante and a heavy metal rapping machine. I don't feel anything emotionally except for rage. 24-7, 365 at a million percent. That's not Batman. That's Hulk Hogan. That sounded just like Hulk Hogan. (laughs) Let me me tell you something, brother. I look to my left. I look to my right. What you gonna do, million-dollar man? What you gonna do, brother? This is why it takes sometimes some extra takes in this business, because my throat was actually about to give out the whole time I was saying that. You looked like you are about to faint. I didn't think I could faint. You you stared at me for like two seconds, and you didn't blink. (laughs) You know, when Overtrek... (laughs) <laughs> impersonate certain characters, he actually sounds like other characters. So I remember that. When he impersonates Batman, it's Hulk Hogan. Hey. Yeah. When you impersonate Rocky, it's Fonzie. Hey. Or no, no, no. When you impersonate Fonzie, it's Rocky. Yeah. Hey, yo, Richie. Hey, Cunningham. Hey, yo. <laughs> hey, yo, I was thinking maybe later we, uh, you know, go and down to... Speaking of that, so so Rocky Balboa is my favorite all-time oh, boy. movie character. Yeah. Rocky... And something about Rocky, the series, that is not true of many movies that have multiple movies, is the last one was at least as good as the first one, if not better. So here's my theory on Rocky. Nothing against three, four, nothing against three and four. Five should have never been made. But one and two, one's the best, obviously. But two's a good sequel, in my opinion. Good sequel. But you could have made it a trilogy. You could have made Rocky a trilogy where it's just the first and the second one, and then there's just that that understanding of he made it big after that, and then come right back with Rocky Balboa. Because in my opinion, Rocky Balboa is probably the best of the entire series, in no, my opinion. Definitely. Yeah. One of the greatest all-time movie quotes, too. 
Oh yeah, that's where that's where uh, he gives that big inspirational speech to his son. That's right. Outside of the about, old Italian restaurant, it ain't about how hard you get hit. Hey yo, hey yo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, you know what you're worth. Go get what you're worth, yeah. and don't be standing around blaming everybody else, standing in somebody's shadow. Yeah, uh, I sort of paraphrase a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, that's pretty good. <clears throat> that's pretty good. You look yo, like you were, hey. your face was getting hey. redder and redder. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's. Um, I would say Rocky Balboa. I could agree with Rocky. Yeah. Well, I think that this has been fun. I hope it's been helpful. And until next time, this is Mike Overtrek Barnett saying, can I say this for old time's sake? Happy trails to you. I like that one better. This is Dr. Dean, Roland Napoleon, and you, movie watchers, are welcome. And this is Corey Easy Target Cantrell saying, thanks for joining us. See you next time. In the heart of a champion. In the heart of a champion